You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Uh, yeah, I'm an optimistic person, but right now I'm worried, very, very worried for our country that what we're going through right now might just be permanent or could go on for not another two years, but maybe another four years, 12 years, 20 years, 50 years. It feels like suddenly sane people are the permanent minority in America. Look, I have severe concerns about the fairness of the 2020 election. And I think Donald Trump, oh, I would love it if he comes back and win. And in my heart, I do believe that he can. But I'm going to use my head here. And as they rally around Joe Biden to run for re-election, that's when I kind of know something must be up. Now, we all know he's been a disaster. And it looks like they're actually going to run him again. That means they must know something. They must know that this thing, I mean, is the fix already in? I'm still astonished that sane people, i.e. Republicans, MAGA, did not do better in the midterms. I mean, look at what Joe Biden had to run on, okay? Remember that little handy-dandy mnemonic device we came up? Liberal plus chaos equals Biden. All of these things are true. Joe Biden himself, a liar, incompetent, bizarre, erratic, racist, and angry, lazy. Also, plus uh, chaos, liberal plus chaos, crime, hunter, Afghanistan, obscenity, all the stuff with the, uh, the trans, supply chain, all that equals Biden. No border, ridiculous inflation, disunity when he promised unity, gas prices out of control, and no respect around the world. This... This one, essentially, they held the Senate. Republicans barely took back the House with all of this stuff. And I go back to the border. That's on our list, the border. It seems to me, I mean, I kind of always knew this, but now it's confirmed. Joe Biden wants these people to come here illegally. Once they're here, they'll be able to portray them voting any way they want. These are voters. The globalists, they want the, they want the cheap labor the Democrats want the votes and the way we're handing out ballots. <laughs> All these people are future Democrat voters. At least they can be portrayed that way. What else is happening right now? The Democrats, strangely enough, seem to have their act together. Hakeem Jeffries, they've already made him the new minority leader in the House of Representatives and Republicans can't get it together. Look, I'm no Kevin McCarthy fan, but apparently he's the guy he wants to have investigations. It's got to be him, right? But they still haven't figured that out. Aren't we supposed to have the upper hand here? They've already got their leader. We don't have ours. All this leads me to think that the situation it was so prime for a Republican comeback, a big one. Is this permanent? 
I'm not saying the Democrats are like Nazis, but the Nazis were really bad people and they held on for a long time. What was it, 12, 13 years? That's how long they were in power. The horrible regime in Iran, 44, 43 years and counting. Zimbabwe, one of the most brutal regimes for a long time. They were around for 30 years, that 37 years. And Cuba, uh, first Fidel, now is his brother Raul in charge now? 46 years and counting. And that brings me to Joe Biden. I mean, it's not going to be him. He can't be around for much longer. But somebody like him, somebody with the same ideology, maybe it doesn't matter to them. They just need a front man because the entire system is rigged for them. What do we do in the meantime? Seriously, if this is going to go on for a long time, we got to start talking to people about what we should do as individual families. If our country is going down the tubes, what do we do? I don't know. Do we buy gold? I have some already. Do I buy more? Uh, should I homeschool my kids? Something I never thought about until very recently. Food, fuel, water, perhaps store up, stack up for a year or so. Maybe buy a gun legally because, uh, well, Joe Biden has not said no to packing the Supreme Court. And Joe is really dumb when it comes to guns, isn't he? The idea, the idea we still allow semi-automatic weapons to be purchased is sick. It's just sick. It has no, no social redeeming value. Zero. None. Semi-automatic weapon, weapons. It is astonishing. It says so much, quite frankly, about our country that this is the guy in charge right now. You know, I look to God. We all look to God. We all should look to God in moments like these. And do you remember a few years ago, Bill O'Reilly was talking about the war on Christmas? I actually thought he was kind of exaggerating at the time that, come on, Christmas is here to stay. It's not a problem. He was right. He was ahead of his times. I mean, look at where we are now. And this Merry Christmas thing, yeah, it's still, it's still a thing. It still rubs some people the wrong way. The vast majority of Americans who celebrate Christmas and who treat non-Christians so well deserve better. So please say Merry Christmas. And isn't that just mind-boggling? Christians deserve better? Huh? For one thing, deserve better than what? Hearing the words happy holidays, I think they can withstand this intense trauma. But more importantly, no they don't. Christians don't deserve I mean, don't get me wrong, they're humans, they should be treated as well as anybody else, but nobody deserves to have their religious traditions honored by other people. What makes the Christ boys so special? And that's it. We don't deserve to have our religion mocked and scorned and chased from the public square as it has been. That's the part. I'm not looking for special treatment, but we don't tolerate this. Actually, society does. Society does. Try wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt and try wearing a Jesus Saves t-shirt. See what happens. See what the reaction is. Which is more accepted culturally? Even some churches have jumped on the Black Lives Matter bandwagon. That's the president's chapel right across from the White House with a Black Lives Matter banner in front. Yeah, it's a really dark time, and it's been a long time coming. I learned to swim at the YMCA, although now it's the Y. Notice this? This is another example of Christ being chased out of well, everything, even the YMCA, the Young Man's Christian Association, Young Men's Christian Association, right? 
And what was its uh, core mission when it was founded in the mid-19th century? To put Christian principles into practice through programs that build healthy spirit, mind, and body for all. How beautiful is that? Fast forward to um, 10 minutes ago, uh, the YMCA. Uh, it's just the Y. And if you look up the YMCA's mission here in New York City, community is the cornerstone of the Y. Together, we connect active, engaged New Yorkers to build stronger communities. All right, don't mention anything about the C word, about Christ, because I guess it could offend somebody. Is that the issue? Communities, is that what it's all about? Communities, communities, communities. Communism, anybody? I actually think that's the, that's it. That's the goal. And just people say, oh, the culture wars are silly. You know what? I think they're actually worth fighting. Our culture is important. And it is going down the tubes. It's looking at the New York Post. The great New York Post. And this was a big headline today. Lenny Hochstein claims Lisa was romancing two men at Halloween Bash. I have no idea who Lisa is or Lenny Hochstein. <laughs> like, I, this is big news. We should know, right? Uh, I looked it up. They're from the Real Housewives. Uh, Real Housewives of, uh, where are they? Miami. Miami, all right? They're getting divorced. Big, big, uh, you know, dispute there over tens of millions of dollars. But this is very popular. Lenny and Lisa. He's a plastic surgeon, by the way. He calls himself the, I hate the word, boob king uh, of America. And this is where I guess they used to live as a couple. Hey everyone, it's Lisa Hochstein, your favorite housewife of Miami. Let's go for a tour. This is our foyer, and we love to make a grand entrance. As you can see, everything is custom made to our exact tastes. We have three homes on the property. We have a guest house above the garages. We have a guest house and a gym in the back. And of course, the main house, which is about 20,000 square feet. Incredibly tacky, right? The house is fine. I'm talking about her. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But who remembers Amelda Marcos in the Philippines, the first lady of the Philippines? Remember, she was globally ridiculed for her shoe collection. She was seen as so vain, so extravagant because she had all those shoes and she was mocked globally. That was all the way back in the 1980s. We are a totally different planet. Welcome to my closet. This is the most amazing closet ever. I have a bit of a shopping addiction, I'm not gonna lie. You know, I've never counted how many shoes and handbags I have, but there's a lot. A modesty, anybody? Whatever happened to that, huh? Whatever happened. And by the way, I guarantee you, none of that crap is going to make uh, anybody any happier, maybe for about eight seconds. All right. Yeah, the culture is going downhill and uh, our systems are really screwed for the moment. And if you question them, you're in trouble. This itself is a threat to the very basis of democracy, which is that we all have to accept election results as legitimate. Our democracy works because we accept election results. If the election results are in, you need to accept a fee. Okay, well, what happens if the other side cheats in an election? It happens. It has happened. It's going to happen again. Are we not allowed to say anything? Thank God for Carrie Lake, okay? She is still fighting. Because a lot of weird stuff happened in Arizona. I know the media have moved on. 
But it looks like the Democrat Party sabotaged Election Day because they knew Republicans turn out to vote on Election Day. Now, she's fighting multiple battles in court, and she just may prevail. And it's not without precedent, at least in Arizona. These things have made it to court, and they have actually kicked out governors before who were fraudulently put in office. I want to go all the way back to 1916. Yes, the election between George Hunt and Thomas Campbell. Uh, it turned out initially that Campbell, they thought, won by 30 votes. Mr. Hunt, Governor Hunt, wasn't so sure he lost. Anyway, they made Thomas Campbell the governor. And then about 10 months later, they realized, oops, there's cheating and fraud here. And they made George Hunt the governor. There's a precedent for this stuff. All right. It can work out. So, look, am I pessimistic? Yes, but I am optimistic because there are people like Carrie Lake out there. Uh, there are people like these women who I've never met before, but I think they're absolutely awesome. Remember? I don't know about you, but telling my child or any child that they are in a permanent oppressed stat, uh, status in America because they are black is racist. And saying that white people are automatically above me, my children, or any child is racist as well. School board, I quit. I quit your policies. I quit your trainings. And I quit being a cog in a machine that tells me to push highly politicized agendas on our most vulnerable constituents. I believe that CRT is the new Jim Crow. This is the new form of segregation, and my family will not stand for it. You're emotionally abusing our children and mentally abusing them. You're demoralizing them by teaching them communist values. This is still America, ma'am. And as long as I'm standing here on this good ground earth of God, I will fight. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love our country. I love our people. And I love our president. I think he's coming back. He's got something special tomorrow. Did you see this? America needs a superhero. Wow, tomorrow. I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm sure it will be great. All right, we'll be back in a moment. Oh, watch the FBI director. Uh... Take the oath of office that he will later violate. Yeah, we're not done with the FBI. I'll be right back. So this is Christopher Wray, the day he became the FBI director. There he is, taking the oath of office, an oath that I believe he will go on to break on numerous occasions. And in the middle there, who's that? There's Andrew McCabe. What is he doing there? Andrew McCabe? Anyway, he'd be fired in less than a year. No, I don't like Christopher Wray, the FBI director. In fact, the FBI, I'm sorry, I don't like that organization anymore. They have failed us. They have deceived us. And what they pulled in the 2020 election and beyond, looks like a lot of those guys did not live up to their oath of office. I want to revisit the situation on January 6th. When people arrived at the Capitol, this question did not even occur to me. Do you realize there's a possibility that the FBI had either agents or informants staged at the Capitol in Trump attire and MAGA attire waiting for the crowds to get there to blend in that it was part of the plan? Why can't Director Ray give this good congressman a straight answer? And there's something else we noticed. We'll show you. 
Did you have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol on January the 6th prior to the doors being open? Again, I had to be very careful. It should be I a no. Can you not tell the American people no? We did not have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters positioned inside the Capitol. Gentlemen's time has expired. You should not read anything into my decision uh, not to share information. Director Ray, confidential human gentlemen's sources. time has expired. Oh, boy. There's no reason, no reason not to share that, unless, of course, you want to protect the reputation of the FBI. There's also no legitimate reason to have had people staged inside the Capitol dressed in MAGA attire to blend in. We can't get a straight answer. I think he's concealing something, don't you? Take a look at this. The close-up of his mouth. I, uh, I'm no body language expert, but take a look at what's happening there. See that quivering? This is a man who's nervous. Happens more. Now the anger. And the nervousness. He's hiding something from us, just like the entire bureau, I believe, is. And this is not new, of course. This is the FBI that is headquartered in the J. Edgar Hoover building. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> J. Edgar Hoover. Don't we know enough about this guy where he's been discredited? But we're renaming bases. We're renaming Army and Marine Corps bases, but this thing is still named for J. Edgar Hoover, who apparently blackmailed Martin Luther King. The FBI has been screwing up for decades, actually. Uh, we like to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I'm sorry, those days are over. <laughs> Who remembers the anthrax attacks? Remember this? The anthrax letters mailed out, killed people. We thought, well, this must be coming from, this must be state-sponsored terrorism. And then they focused on uh, Dr. Stephen Hatfield. Remember him? The wrong guy. Back in 2001, 2002, they, they were all over him. They had him under surveillance. They ransacked his house, put his girlfriend in solitary for a time. This guy had it right about the FBI. I want to look my fellow Americans directly in the eye and declare to them, I am not the anthrax killer. I know nothing about the anthrax attacks. I had absolutely nothing to do with this terrible crime. It has an investigation that is characterized by the apparent avoidance of any major avenue of inquiry except the one decided upon by the Attorney General. Most importantly, it is driven by a compelling and overwhelming desire that the FBI look good at any cost, regardless of the price and in individual freedom, due process, common decency, and civil liberties. That's how they work. That's how they've always worked. It seems to be in the FBI's DNA. And by the way, yes, he was completely innocent. And finally, Seven or eight years later, they found the guy who did it, Dr. Ivins, and the FBI got there. I can't say in the nick of time because, uh, well, Dr. Ivins was, was already dead. So in the meantime, they can't handle the basics. 
They're actually going into the realm of social media and elections. The FBI talking to Twitter and Facebook in the run-up to the election, warning them about a Russia disinformation campaign. And by the way, it wasn't just Facebook. It was Google. It was LinkedIn, YouTube, all these, all these entities warning them about the laptop. And once I do believe they helped secure the election for Joe Biden, well, they have to protect the presidency of Joe Biden. They have to protect Joe Biden's children. That's happening. And they have to ignore Tony Bobolinsky. I was introduced to Joe Biden by Jim Biden and Hunter Biden. At, approx and a, at my approximately hour-long meeting with Joe that night, we discussed the Biden's history, the Biden's family business plans with the Chinese, with which he was plainly familiar, at least at a high level. On numerous occasions, it was made clear to me that Joe Biden's involvement was not to be mentioned in writing, but only face to face. This guy is still out there. It looks like the FBI just worked to conceal his story, not get to the bottom of it. That's a problem. And now that Joe Biden is in office, you know what we're hearing? And there are investigators on Capitol Hill who are looking into this, that the FBI may have been working with big tech to stifle discussion about such issues as losing the war in Afghanistan. Yeah, that's a bad issue for the Biden administration. Maybe that shouldn't be discussed widely on, on social media. And quite frankly, it wasn't. I can't believe it. We lost a war and somehow the American public moved on in about two weeks. And Dr. Fauci, Oh, you couldn't talk about Dr. Fauci, right? And the Wuhan lab and perhaps America's role in funding gain-of-function research? No, you, that's prohibited somehow. Why? Because well, you can't question these unelected men and women, these men and women of the National Institute of Health, the men and women of uh, Department X, Y, and Z, the men and women, right? Remember, those men and women work for us. Somehow, the way they talk... I think they've got it the other way around. The men and women of the Department of Defense. The flexibility and the professionalism of the men and women of the U.S. military. My faith and confidence in the great work of the men and women of the FBI. The men and women of the Department of Homeland Security. The men and women of uh, the State Department. Those men and women, I'm sure, for the most part, are fine people. But they're public servants. And the way they're elevated, revered, uh, especially by the electeds who come and go, that shows you that we have a deep state. The men and women, they're just people. We don't work for them. They work for us. And I think a lot of women, men and women, at the FBI, as we pointed out yesterday, they're not working for us. They're working for the Democrat National Committee. Maybe they should rebrand once and for all. The DNC, what do you think? All right. Have you heard anybody speak like this recently? Hi, I'm Jackson Bird. I'm a YouTuber and writer from New York City. My pronouns are he, him, his. Hello, everyone. My name is Francis Tolino. My pronouns are she, her. I'm Adam, and my pronouns are he, him, his. And I'm Asia. My pronouns are they, them, and theirs. Yeah, it's ludicrous. It started 20 minutes ago. But now it just might be the law of the land if you don't use those preferred pronouns. You could be in trouble. You could be out of a job. It seems to be happening to uh, Vivian Garrity at Jackson Memorial Middle School, a teacher there since August of 2020, forced to resign over pronoun policy 
She's now suing for a violation of personal freedom. She would not be the only one to be in this position. Who knows uh, Professor Jordan Peterson, an amazing guy. He first rose to fame because as a professor, I believe at the University of Toronto, he refused to use these pronouns. It's one thing to use them, you know, as a choice or with discretion or as a courtesy, but you can't compel people to speak in a certain way. And he said no. The reason I wouldn't use the word Z and Zer and, and all those other made-up words, however many there are now, is because I'm not willing to cede the linguistic territory to postmodern radicals. I'm not doing that. And they say, well, we're doing it on behalf of the oppressed transsexual people. And I think, yeah, well, that's what you say, but there's no reason I should believe that. I don't believe anything you say. I think you're contemptible, cowardly, uh, ideologically motivated, cult-like corruptors of the youth. So why would I use your language? What a hero. What a hero, Jordan Peterson. And next, what a zero, huh? John Bolton, former ambassador to the United Nations, wearer of a bizarre mustache, thinks he can be president of the United States. There's one thing that would get me to get into the presidential race, which I look at in prior elections, it would be to make it clear to the people of this country that Donald Trump is unacceptable as the Republican nominee. I'd like to see Sherman-esque statements from all the potential candidates. If I don't see that, then I'm going to seriously consider getting in. Uh, knock yourself out. There have been a lot of never-Trumpers who have tried to stop Trump. Uh, what do you have to show for yourself, Mr. Bolton, your association with George W. Bush, uh, your public vow to blow up the United Nations, and yes, your hand in getting us into the catastrophic, beyond belief disaster of a war, the war in Iraq that we went in for weapons of mass destruction that weren't there. That's going to be a hell of a campaign. You got some nerve. I'll be right back. No crooked establishment. None of that talking down to me. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. I trust Newsmax. 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 They don't tell me how to think. They let me decide. Newsmax. Real news. For real people. I think I'm a good looking guy, but I have these noodly arms. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? And the fake news has orchestrated a very, very silly conversation about race in America. Uh, the conversation they want in America is for white people like me to just listen, which is basically code for shut up. I think that white people uh, should listen. White people should listen to African-Americans. I think white people need to listen. When it comes to race, White people need to listen more. Yeah, uh, this white person is going to shoot his mouth off about whatever he wants, including race, because I notice that the people who speak about race, no matter what their color, the ones who speak about it the most are far left. They set the parameters. They set the rules. And this is the only way you can talk, especially if you are a very wealthy rich white man like the former FBI guy James Comey. Oh boy, this virtue signaling, nauseous. And oh, by the way, wrong. Listen. Research points to the widespread existence of unconscious bias. 
Many people in our white majority culture have unconscious racial biases and react differently to a white face than a black face. In fact, we all, white and black, carry various biases around with us. All right, a couple of things about this that are ludicrous. The FBI director talking about unconscious bias, which, which is essentially junk science, okay? It can't be proven. And also, even if it could be proven, there's really nothing you can do about it. And did you notice he said white people and black people as if there's no one else, right? Asian, Hispanic. And, and if you really want to talk about race, there are different shades of colors, right? Ask Oprah Winfrey. This is a whole other aspect of race that's only occasionally discussed, but it's a real thing. I came to live in Milwaukee with my mother, who was uh, rooming with a lady, and uh, my mother has, a, has another uh, daughter, so I have a half-sister who was light-skinned and younger than I, and they were allowed to stay inside the house, and I was forced to sleep outside in the hallway because I was the brown-skinned person. And, you know, and my, you know, my mother did it just because otherwise we'd have no place to sleep. But the place was uh, owned by a white, uh, uh, not white, but uh, I thought she was white, Ms. Miller, who also passed and just didn't want the brown-skinned child in her house. It's just really racism passed on to ourselves. Racism, black people, racist against black people. It's a very interesting... Um thought and it's kind of sad but it's real we're not having this conversation anymore now it's white people are need to shut up right need to be quiet you know what oprah's talking about here you can even pick it up from barack obama yeah in some of his memoirs you know seven of them about himself he talks about it that he was not trusted by um, certain elements in the black community they did not trust him they thought he was too white uh, is he even black he actually he went through this it's just not as cut and dried as the current moment seems to want to believe. All right, take a look at this. I believe that Mr. DeLeo would make an excellent president. However, I feel that electing the only cis white male on this board, president of this district, sends the wrong message to our community, a message that is contrary to what we as a board have been trying to accomplish. I think that it's important that we practice what we preach and that our words have strength when they are spoken, whether we speak them from the neighborhood sidewalks or from behind these tables. Mrs. Steinbeck has done an exemplary job as president these last few months, and the strength of her performance has earned her my vote tonight. All right. Uh, the white guy who likes girls is not qualified because he's a white guy who likes girls, even though he would be an exemplary uh, board president. This is not the America I want to live in. <laughs> Let's judge based on what's inside, not on what's the outside. I learned that in first grade. So did you probably. What is going on? Do me a favor. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
Senator Mike Lee, Republican of Utah, on the floor of the United States Senate. One of the smartest senators, actually. He clerked for Justice Alito. Did you know that? Anyway, he was just reelected to the United States Senate for another term, and he joins us right now. Senator Mike Lee, welcome back to Newsmax. Great to see you. How are you? Doing great. Thank you very much. Sir, uh, first, before we talk about some specifics that are going on right now, how do you feel overall? I mean, I'm a little bit demoralized. I wish you guys were in the majority. It's not happening. Um, how hamstrung are you going to be? Um, how deflated are you that you wouldn't be able to do some of the things that I guess you wanted to do if you were in the majority? Yeah, obviously it's discouraging. It's a little um, disillusioning to get to the end of the race where you expected that we would have Republican majorities in the House and in the Senate and to have only a, a small, narrow majority in the House. But look, we've, we've got to deal with the facts as they are. We've got to deal with reality on the ground. And, and I think if we are assertive, uh, we can make a lot of this situation. Uh, one of the things that we've got to do is make sure that we don't front end load all the spending needlessly before the new Congress takes over. And uh, I, I think we can do a much better job if we've got a Republican majority in the House that's willing to actually fight for conservative priorities rather than just joining up uh, with the Democrats and furthering progressive priorities, uh, we'll be in much better shape. It's one of the reasons why I'm against this omnibus. I'm sorry, you're against what? I'm sorry. Uh, the omnibus spending bill that um, both chambers are getting ready to put forward. Uh, an omnibus spending bill that none of us have seen, that doesn't yet exist. We don't even know the top line numbers of, of it yet. And yet you've got a whole lot of members of the House and of the Senate, including, unfortunately, a number of Republicans who seem to be embracing this idea that we must pass the omnibus. But it's an omnibus that doesn't yet exist. It ties all of the government funding for the balance of fiscal year 2023 into one bill. And that bill doesn't yet exist. And yet it has to be passed within the next week or so, even though we won't have seen it. We won't have had any opportunity to review it air it with the public, amend it, or improve it. It's a very, very good reason why we ought to move this decision to next year, why we ought to pass a short-term spending bill to allow the new Congress to start from square one and start over. Makes a lot of sense. By the way, if we had to shut the government down, which, you know, for some people that's like just unthinkable, but we've done it before, the government shuts down every weekend. They, they, they shut down every holiday, and there are plenty of holidays is that really as ominous as it sounds? I don't think it is. But what, do you, what is your take? Because they really try to scare us about a government shutdown. Yeah, they do. Uh, they, they try to scare us with that. It's not ideal. We certainly should try to avoid it. It's not necessary here. That's why what I've been calling for uh, is for a short-term spending bill that will take us a few weeks into the new Congress to allow the new Congress to draft spending legislation and debate it, discuss it, amend it in the light of day rather than doing this right now. It's why last night I tried to pass this legislation that would do precisely that. Now, it received an objection. The Democrats objected to it. I'm going to keep pushing for this because otherwise what we've got right now, they're going to try to bring forward uh, probably in the next 24 to 48 hours a short-term spending bill that will extend government funding uh, a week forward up to December 23rd. Now, that sounds like people trying to do that or trying to avoid a shutdown. That's not. They're actually accentuating. They're magnifying the shutdown threat. 
They're trying to take it as close to Christmas as they possibly can so that they can extort members into voting for a bad spending bill that they wouldn't otherwise support, a bill that they still haven't seen or read. That's what I've been talking about. You've got these twin threats, the twin threats of a shutdown occurring just before Christmas and the, 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 the competing threat of we might have to work through Christmas and cancel uh, travel plans, plans to be with family. There's no reason why we have to run it this way. That's why I proposed moving the spending a few weeks forward so we can deal with it in the new Congress. Senator, the uh, Respect for Marriage Act, they signed it with great fanfare on the, the South Lawn there at the White House. All kinds of characters were in attendance. Um, this bill rubs me the wrong way. You're an expert. Can you kind of go into it? What's, what's really going on here, please? Look, the biggest single thing that worries me about this is that this bill was passed without adequate religious freedom protections. It doesn't, for example, prohibit the federal government from retaliating against an individual organ and organization based on a sincerely held religious belief about same-sex marriage, whether for or against. It, it should have contained that protection. We've feared for a long time. We've feared since the Supreme Court held its oral arguments in Obergefell versus Hodges back in 19, back in 2015, when my former boss, Justice Alito, asked then Solicitor General uh, Varelli uh, whether some uh, religious nonprofits that don't recognize same-sex marriage might lose their tax-exempt status. The Solicitor General re reiterated three times that um, he said, yes, this is going to be a problem, Justice Alito. We don't deny that it's going to be a problem. So. Uh, this, this legislation effectively codified uh, the, the Obergefell ruling. And in order to do that and make it non-harmful, non-threatening to religious freedom, it needed at a minimum to have an amendment, an amendment like the one I drafted that would have pre prohibited government retaliation against this religious belief. But sadly, um, there were enough Republicans, 12 in total in the Senate, who are willing to join with every Democrat and keep them united uh, uh, to pass the bill without those protections. I think that's really unfortunate. I think it, a chill wind blows as a result against religious freedom. Well, Senator, congratulations on your reelection. Uh, we wish you were in the majority, but we're glad you're there. Hey, can I ask you one thing about working for a Supreme Court justice? When you're a clerk, Sure. Is the justice your boss or is there like uh, an intermediary? Is there a chief of staff or something like that? Or do you report nope, directly just to the, the justice. justice? You report directly to the justice and uh, he's your boss. He's your client, your only client. You're focused specifically on that justice. And I'm, I'm grateful to have worked for Justice Alito as fine a human being and legal mind as, as I've ever met. You know, it was real uh, privilege. I think he wrote the Dobbs decision and, and reading it, I thought it was a beautiful decision and it made sense. You know, the law, you don't have to necessarily be a lawyer to understand some of that stuff, at least. Uh, Senator Mike Lee, many thanks. Have a great Christmas. Thank you very much. Same to you. You bet. We'll be right back. Perhaps the ultimate phony in the world, John Kerry, uh, running around talking about climate change and flying those private jets. Remember this? I understand that you came here with a private jet. Uh, is that the, an environmental way to travel? If you offset your carbon, it's the only choice for somebody like me who is traveling the world to win this battle. The time it takes me to get somewhere. I can't sail across the ocean. I have to fly to meet with people and get things done. 
But what I'm doing, almost full time, is working to win the battle of climate change. <laughs> well, he has to meet with people. <laughs> He has to meet everybody who flies has to, is going to meet people and do things. And he almost works on these issues full time. Wow. What a patriot. What a patrician snob. But uh, flying private, that's what they're all about, even when they work for the government. Uh, take a look at this airport. Uh, we know that transportation in America is really screwed up right now. Uh, the secretary of transportation should be all over this, right? Pete Buttigieg. Uh, but no, you may have heard this. He's flown 18 times on taxpayer-funded private jets since last year at $5,000 per hour. As the transportation secretary, why isn't he on JetBlue, Delta, United, like the rest of us? See what it's like. See, this is what these guys go in it for, the perks. And his ascendancy to the cabinet, it really is a joke. He was the mayor of a very small town, uh, what is it? South, South Wayne, South, South Bend, Indiana, right? All right. Yeah, Fighting Irish, right? Yeah, South Bend. Nothing against them, but it's really small. Mayor Pete runs for president. His big selling point is he's gay. Uh, I don't care, but boy, oh boy, political writers could not stop writing about his sexuality. They really cared for some reason. Most normal people don't. Anyway, normal people who gay, straight, or anything, by the way, don't care. So he gets the big job as a payoff for dropping out of the presidential race, which he did surprisingly well in. And what does he do? He goes on vacation. <laughs> he takes that crazy paternity leave. Uh, it's great that they have children, but taking three months off. But here's something else. I saw this. Here's Secretary Pete in his transportation uh, Department of Transportation office. And I noticed something. Uh, the planes and aircraft. He's got some planes and aircraft on his bookshelf there. Marine One, that's the president's helicopter. And an Osprey, a backup. Those are aircraft that normal people can't fly in. <laughs> He's the Secretary of Transportation. He has no interest in normal people's lives. All right, moving on to the White House. They signed that, uh, what was it called again? The, um, the Mar Defense of Marriage Act, the uh, Respect Marriage Act, and all kinds of characters came. I want to talk about the guy on the right in the tan coat with the turtleneck. His name is Marty Cummings. And when he's not at the White House, he's rather subdued here. Uh, he carries on, and this is probably why he was invited, because of the antics, which are, um, well, not impressive, actually. And this is downright disgusting and illegal, dancing in front of a two-year-old kid in a very suggestive manner to a, to a classic children's song. Uh, what is it with the drag queens and the kids? And what is it with drag queens, by the way? They are terrible, terrible dancers. I've never seen one good dancer. And Joe Biden is obsessed with them for some unknown reason. We'll be right back. They won't give you the facts. They don't tell the truth. Their bias is incredible. Now millions are turning to Eric Bowling, The Balance, to get the real story. Watch him on Newsmax. I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. 
No single space project in this period will be more impressive to mankind or more important for the long-range exploration of space. And none will be so difficult or expensive to accomplish. Pretty awesome, right? Now what do we talk about? Genitalia, or lack thereof. And Joe Biden, having the backup trans kids, not go for it, not go to the moon, not go to the Mars, just this silly stuff, the Mars. Anyway, many thanks, and I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs>